Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter is our barista, and this morning we're going to continue our conversation on vocations with Father Bill Hahn, the Director of Vocations for the Columbus Diocese, and Deacon Tyler Carter, one of five men preparing for priestly ordination this spring. Morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. You start us with a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day, for your goodness and for your blessings, that you sustain us in all ways and that you provide for all of our needs. Lord, we ask to be ever attentive to your call in our lives, to hear your voice, to see how you're working, and that we would respond by being your hands and your feet that we would respond in love, that we would see you ever before us. We ask for the grace to enter into this Lent with um, just the graces that we need to persevere through the season and to be transformed greater and greater into the likeness of Christ. We ask, we ask this through the intercession of Mary. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Today the church celebrates the feast of the chair of the Apostle St. Peter. And being Thursday, Amanda, yeah, <laughs> we need to talk volleyball. Today was, or yeah, last night was my last game of the season, actually. So, unfortunately, we were down a player, so we lost. That's kind of our mo. But we <laughs> we did so good for being down a player. I think we would have won that game, those mm. three sets. Yeah. What if? What if? <laughs> but we had so much fun, and and this time it was a an earlier game. We started at six fifteen. Praise God for that, yeah. huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> As opposed to some of the nine thirty game start times. Yeah, yeah. or one in, even started at ten fifteen. We had a couple of those, so uh. I was so grateful. <laughs> so not only did we have the opportunity to just practice together after. Mm-hmm. and just be together for the sake of being together. Um, but we also had our evenings as well, so that was nice. <laughs> what does off-season look like for Get Diggy with it? Oh, uh, good question. I don't know. We were trying to plan what that might look like. Maybe we'll just get together and play pool or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Switch leagues. Yeah. <laughs> the gospel reading today is, as we celebrate the Uh, Feast of the Chair of St. Peter Apostle is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, and we're looking at verses 16 to 19. So when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. 
And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I love it when Jesus asks direct questions. (laughs) There's not the subtlety or the, you know, roundabout, you know, general, you know, kind of question to a group. Mm -hmm. This was a question specifically asked and is asked to each of us. Who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And that's... That's something we can really pray into. It's one thing to profess Christ, obviously, with our lips or intellectually, but, uh, you know, deeper down, who do we say mm-hmm. that the Lord is and what is our, what is our um, profession? How are we living it? It's one thing to say it, but, you know. What is our profession? Mm-hmm. What do you mean Profession of faith. So, mm-hmm. so we say that we believe, but do we live? Mm-hmm. Do I live? Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe. Right. Yeah. Actually, Dave, I circled a couple things in this uh, gospel today, that being one of them as well. Um, who do you say that I am? And and similar sentiments, right? Of, of course, I believe that uh, Jesus is the Christ. And of course, that I believe that he is God and he came to save me from my sins. Uh, but who who do I say that he is to me personally? What is our relationship to each other? And yeah, I think that's worth reflecting on for sure. Um, The other thing that struck me today was, uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And it just makes me ask myself, oh, what, how am I listening to the heavenly father's voice? Hmm. Am I listening for the ways that he wants to reveal himself to me in each and every day? Am I being attentive? to whatever he is um, wanting to speak to me in that day. So, On the podcast that uh, Father Ricardo does each week, uh, this week he's, he and Mary were discussing uh, that our prayer to Jesus is to reveal who the Father really is mm. and for us to bring our misconceptions, our preconceptions to the Lord and ask for that grace to reveal who the Father really is. Because we all have, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're fallen. We all have misconceptions and preconceptions. So pray for the grace to, to see the father as he truly is. Mm-hmm. Cameron? Yeah, I think for me in today's gospel passage too, just in that question, who do you say that I am recognizing? Like I, I don't want to personify my Lord as just like one aspect of him. So like he's a good teacher, mm. but he's more than just a good teacher. Um, he's my savior, but also in, in many ways, he's more than just my savior. Mm-hmm. Like he, it, it wasn't that he just like died for me, you know, 2000 years ago and that was the end of it. <laughs> um, but actually, I mean, he says at the end of Matthew, I will be with you always until the end of the age. Um, it makes me think of actually like one of the first talks that I can remember that really like impacted me was based on this scripture passage and talked about that like idea of, He's not 
Elijah. He's not, you know, one of the other prophets. He's not just a good teacher. Um, you know, he's not Buddha, even though Buddha can say wise sayings and Jesus can say wise sayings. Well, there's a huge difference mm-hmm. there. But I think a lot of people kind of growing up come with that misconception or preconception that like Jesus becomes just this like wise guru or or the the young parents today would say like Jesus isn't Miss Rachel if you know who Miss Rachel is right uh she's this like YouTube sensation who teaches toddlers how to talk and things like that right um Jesus isn't that he he becomes a lot more than that and and is a lot more than that has always been a lot more than that he's the son of God the second person the trinity and um I similar to you Amanda just kind of like re-recognizing too that like it's a personal question mm-hmm. and it and it comes to me specifically not just to Peter way back 2000 years ago but it's a question he asks every one of us um often every single day mm-hmm. have you ever heard the phrase uh, god created us in his image and then we return the favor no expound yeah. please <laughs> well i mean um i mean we we i, I think we have all done this you know it's god created us in his image and now we recreate him in ours so somehow it he becomes um or the way that i treat him is is kind of like super dave you know so that that he is just bigger than i am obviously Mm. but he's he's not lord and god he is able to accomplish what I want, what I'm not able to do under my own power. Mm. So does that, you see where I'm going? So it, it, it's, um, there's not a surrender to the God that created me. Mm-hmm. It, it's more God help me do what I want to do. Mm. So. Yeah. Say that phrase again. God created us in his image and then we return the favor. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we t- return the favor throughout our life, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that, let's just um, pray pray that today that God, um, uh, that we ask Jesus to reveal God, uh, the Father, as He really is. Mm. Lot lot to pray through, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about the chair of Saint Peter in. What are we saying when we're feasting on the chair of St. Peter today? We're going to bring in Father Bill Hahn and Deacon Tyler Carter into the conversation. You're listening to St. Gabriel Cafe. We'll be right back. Prayer in devotion to the holy face of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be merciful to us, O my God, and reject not our prayers, when amid our afflictions we call upon thy holy name and seek with love and confidence thine adorable face. Amen.
Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of hope is seen in St. Maria Faustina. She lived hope heroically by believing the Lord's words to her about divine mercy and her mission to spread it would be fulfilled. Jesus asked her to tell the world about his mercy and to pray, Jesus, I trust in you. Faustina faced great sufferings and ridicule from others who did not support her, but she placed her hope in God. Let us ask St. Maria Faustina to pray for us, that we may grow in hope. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. Do you look in the mirror and think, I am wonderfully made? Do you ever ponder in prayer that you are made in the image and likeness of God? If you answered no like I did, how can we change that? We can praise God for sending His only Son to take on human flesh. The Incarnate Word understands intimately the joys and struggles of our human lives. We can give thanks for this physical body, which is the vessel that enables us to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. We can also ask God to give us what matters most, spiritual strength. From Isaiah chapter 40, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us, body, mind, and soul. Help us to live, love, and move with joy knowing that we are wonderfully made in your image and likeness. Amen. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we're joined now in the St. Gabriel Cafe by Father Bill Hahn, Director of Vocations for the Columbus Diocese, and Deacon Tyler Carter. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. So, Father, closed out the last segment by saying today is the Feast of a Chair. It's more than that, obviously, <laughs> right? It is, it is more than that. It reminds me when I was in seminary, there was a deacon who was giving the homily in at the, uh, at the end on the feast day, and he ended it with, Chair of St. Peter, pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> the four majors were not amused, but the seminarians were. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so the celebration of this chair, which has been an ancient feast, I think it's from like maybe the 4th or 5th century, 4th um, century, I think, Sam. The... Uh, celebrating like this gift uh, that the Lord has given to us in the, in the role of Peter to, to be that uh, chair of authority, you know, the idea of like Moses sitting down to give the, um, to give the directives and this kind of thing. So Peter, his chair representing his authority, which is why also when you think about a cathedral, you know, cathedra is the chair that the bishop sits upon mm-hmm. and the cathedral is the church built over that cathedra, over that seat. And so in the church's, Imagination, like that, the chair has such an important part to play in the life of the of the church, as far as this guarantee of the authority of the Lord through His apostles and their successors, and therefore uh, the center of that being Peter's chair, who the Lord unites the entire church through the unity of Peter and through that full authority within the within it. Now, Deacon Tyler, you you were recently where this happened, right? I mean, last last year the deacons went to the Holy Land. Uh, right. And, yeah, so we went to the seminary um, for 
from the end of 2022 into 2023. We began, you know, uh, the first eight days of 2023 in the Holy Land, and we got to walk through Caesarea Philippi. So I was thinking back to this during the reading of the Gospel, um, you know, how we saw this place, and there's this ancient cave, you know, that's formed right into the rock, and they had a pagan temple there, and they have still have the niches you can see where the statues would have been that people would have been worshiping, hmm. you know, and that uh, cave is actually called uh, the Gates of Hell, you know, so the Gates of Hell will not prevail against the church. It's this pagan pagan shrine. Mm. Uh, but they also had this kind of courtyard where the dancing goats would be. There were sacred dancing goats, and, you know, there's sacred dancing goat burial ground, and it was just this whole pagan, you know, milieu around. And this is the place where Jesus asks Peter, who do you say that I am? In the midst of all this confusion and chaos around. And it made me think, you know, in our world today, there's so much kind of pagan culture again, you know, where people are worshiping the cult of self or, you know, something that they put everything, you know, their hopes in, at sports or whatever else. Um, but, you know, so Jesus asks us the same thing. Who do you say that I am here in the midst of this culture that we're in? And it's just such a beautiful connection, I think. We can laugh or smile at the image of worshiping dancing goats or, you know, or worshiping or honoring or, but holy cow, I mean, where we are, um, in, in, in this culture, there's, there's some absurdity happening there, right? With our, with the idolatry that we have in, in the present time. Definitely. Definitely. So, so Deacon, transitional Deacon Tyler Carter, one of five men slated to become priests in just a few months. Right. 80 something days now. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> oh, come on. You have a countdown on your phone. Uh, it's on my board in my room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we want to hear your story. Um, yeah. uh, raised here in Columbus. Right. So yeah, born and raised here in Columbus and grew up going to St. James the Less and then eventually switched over to St. Patrick's, which is my home parish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been with the religious, I guess, you know, with the precious blood fathers at St. James, then the Dominican St. Pat's. But, uh, you know, from an early age, like three or four probably, kind of felt, felt a call to the priesthood in my heart. You know, just felt something tugging me towards that life and would be very attentive to the priest at Mass. Uh, you know, I'd go home after Mass on Sundays and play Mass. You know, I always tell people I have a good Irish Catholic grandmother, you know, my grandma Hayes. Uh, so I have an uncle who's a priest too, Father Tim Hayes. Yeah. So his mom, uh, you know, she was a good Irish Catholic and she always had some shot glasses she would collect different places we went, you know, with different logos of cities and whatever else. And so I would take one of those and make a little circle out of bread, you know, take some grape juice and I'd play Mass, you know, and I'd get anybody I could to join me, cousins or friends or whoever else. So, you know, I always had this kind of feeling in my heart, uh, you know, this desire to be a priest or this, this kind of pull. So for me, it wasn't so much discovering that I felt called to be a priest, but why? Mm-hmm. You know, and as I've uh, aged and matured, you know, and, and, and gotten older, uh, you know, I focus on that. Okay, why am I feeling called to the priesthood? You know, why, Lord, are you showing me this? You know, why is this something I'm feeling drawn to? And I think ultimately that's the sacrificial life of the priesthood. You know, the priest is called to be another Christ. He's called to be an altar Christus. You know, he says the words of Jesus, this is my body, this is my blood. I baptize you. You know, he's saying all these things, doing all these things in the sacraments in the name of Christ. Mm. And, you know, in the world that focuses so much on things we need to, you know, develop or, or have or gain for ourselves, you know, this world where we focus on all these external things around us, the Lord tells us the opposite message, you know, give all that up, give all that up to make room for me in your heart. And it's such a countercultural and beautiful message, you know, a message of simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel. Um, and that's what I feel really drawn and attracted to, you know, to be able to teach people and to uh, bring people into this the faith of Christ, you know, and, and to draw them into this. And so, um, yeah, so from an early age, it was just, you know, discovering why that I felt called to be a priest. 
Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, you know, uh, eventually in high school, joined the uh, Melchizedek Project, vocation discernment group that was just at the cathedral at that point. Now we have several locations around the diocese, uh, thanks be to God. But so it was Father, with Father Noble, who was then vocation director, and, you know, we'd have pizza and talk about the book To Save a Thousand Souls by Father Brett Brannon, who I eventually met at the seminary. He came and t- taught at the Josephinum for a while, which was great. Uh, he's a priest of Savannah, Georgia, and he's back there in that diocese now. Um, but so, yeah, through this time, just took the time to slowly, you know, engage with the Lord in prayer uh, and to ask him, okay, show me, Lord, what's your plan? Why are you calling me this way, you know? Um, and so I've just kind of tried to follow that call faithfully as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so started praying in uh, high school, the breviary, the divine, out, the divine office, excuse me, the uh, liturgy of the hours, which is the prayers of the whole church. Um, started praying that with then Father Jacob Sinet, well, now Father Jacob Sinet, rather. Yeah. Then we were in high school together. I went one year at St. Charles and three years at Watterson. But I kept up that practice and, you know, I've kept that up all through my seminary life. So uh, it's been great. But it's just been kind of growing into this vocation. And, okay, Lord, why are you showing me this? Why am I feeling called to this and, and following him? Deacon uh, Tyler Carter and Father Bill Hahn in the cafe with us this morning. Uh, Deacon, I want to honor some of those people that affirmed you uh, through your through your life. Um, who are you mentioned family members? Um, yeah. Who who are some of those people that really affirmed your your journey? Certainly, my parents. You know, um, you know, were always very supportive of me. But especially, like I said, my Irish Catholic grandmother. <laughs> you know, my grandma Hayes uh, was always very supportive and and uh, always prayed for me. You know. And it was with her that I first started, and I've started the prayer in the home because she would watch me a lot when I was little, you know, and my parents were at work. So I'd spend a lot of time with her, and she worked in the office at St. James the Less every Thursday. So I'd spend time with her in the parish office or going to the church and pray and, you know, help Mary Souder, who was the uh, secretary there, to yeah. do things around the church, around the rectory, go water the plants, and, you know, just kind of get get to know the church and get and feel at home there, you know, which was a great, great experience. And um, then on the other side, my grandma Carter. So she's not Catholic, my uh, Carter, my dad's side of the family. But she was also very supportive, you know, and she always tells the story that, you know, when I was little and I first said, you know, I want to be a priest, she said, you know, he's so young. How does he know that? <laughs> you know, maybe it's, maybe it's his mom's side who's saying he wants, needs to be a priest, you know, and my dad uh, said, no, no, it's, you know, it's all him, you know. So I, both sides of my family have been very supportive, which has been a great blessing because that's mm-hmm. not always the case. Um, and How about then ed- also, educators? Yeah, I was going to say at uh, Modern Day Academy where I went to grade school, Mrs. Joan Epic, who is still like a grandmother to me, you know, she's a... A great spiritual figure in my life and uh she's the one who first really taught me the faith in a deep way you know she taught all the religion classes at modern day when i was growing up uh, and so i had her from uh first grade when i entered there through eighth grade you know she taught theology and and gave me a real solid base for the faith she's very much uh someone who embodies the faith you know and really lives it and, yeah. and gave me an example to follow we're, we're blessed my three daughters were educated by mrs epic as well and you look at modern day um so Father Tuttle, mm-hmm. right, is an alum. Uh, Father Seth Keller, right. you, yeah. and I know we have you being Deacon Tyler Carter. Right. <laughs> um, and, and then there's also a, a, a couple of young ladies that are discerning religious life. Right. So that impact, I, I just want to honor Miss, Mrs. Epic this morning um, and, and everyone you know that have been in your life uh, for encouraging you and, and, and affirming that that's so important father Han, that um that we have those people in our lives yeah in fact at the end of uh, every year the u.s bishops they do like a survey of the newly ordained and mm-hmm. that's there are three things that always come up at the very top like 75 percent of of the newly ordained say these things were impactful or important one is altar serving you know, so altar servers 
The second is um, adoration and rosary, so that they were involved with adoration at their parish, praying the rosary. And the third is that personal invitation of like the witness of others who then at some point ask them, have you thought about the priesthood? Or I think you'd be a, a good priest that are those kind of specific invitation. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important in the, in the life of the church to, uh, for us to be looking for those young men and young women as far as religious life, like, and telling them that. Yeah. I think and continue it through those seminary years also, right? Like, yeah. You know, you know, keep, keep at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Persevere. Yeah. Um, what, what's uh, your day-to-day life like now, uh, a deacon, uh, right. in, so, in this transitional Yeah, so phase? in the seminary, you know, there's the kind of structured life of seminary. So you start with morning prayer at uh, 645, uh, usually. On feasts like today, we have 7 a.m. lauds, and then we have uh, mass in the evening. Uh, so that's the case today. But most days, you know, we have morning prayer and mass in the morning, and then we have classes, uh, lunch together, and then uh, in the afternoons, more classes usually. And then in the evening, we get come together back in the chapel for uh, for holy hour, excuse me, and then evening prayer, vespers. Um, and then we have dinner together and sometimes fraternity after that. After that, You know, we have a pub in the seminaries. So people gather down there together and just hang out and, and mm-hmm. have good fellowship, you know, watch sports or whatever else, you know, just hang out. Um, so, but now as a transitional deacon, you know, my life is also kind of connected into the parish. So kind of half between this the seminary life and parish life. Um, so on the weekends, I go out to St. John the 23rd in Canal Winchester and St. Mary in Groveport. And, um, you know, I assist at those two parishes. So I assist Father O'Connor with masses and holy hours and, you know, leading people in prayer and going to mm-hmm. different groups they have. Um, and, yeah, just kind of working on the transition from seminary life, which is more structured, to parish life, which, you know, every day is an adventure, as I'm sure Father can attest. You know, the life of a priest is not boring at all. You know, there's always something new each day, and things change from moment to moment. So really looking forward to it. Looking back at um, your ordination to the diaconate, what stands out to you on that day? So I think the question that comes up right away that I remember so many people asking is, do you feel different Mm. or do you feel something? And I said, no, at that moment, I really understood the sacraments for the first time. (laughs) As much as I believed in the sacraments, had experienced the sacraments at that point, you know, I really understood it after ordination because the sacraments, you know, this visible sign of an invisible grace. And so when people ask, you know, do you feel any different? It's like, no, I don't feel any different, but I know something's different. Mm-hmm. Because now the church has given me this, this blessing, this ordination, and I'm able to do things that I couldn't before. Like bless rosaries when people asked, or bless wow. people in the communion line if they came up, you know, things like that. It was like, oh, I can do that now. I'm a deacon. You know, and I said one of the funniest things was people kept saying, you know, deacon, deacon. And I'd look around like, who are they talking to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm, antici- I'm anticipating that for the priesthood again, where it's going to be like someone's going to say father, and I'm going to look. Who? Are we talking to? I'm a oh wait! <laughs> Love so, it. Yeah, it was just amazing. Deacon Carter, Father Bill Hahn here in the cafe with us. Wayback machine, Father yeah. Father Hahn. How long have you been ordained now? It'll be twenty years. In June. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember your uh, diaconate ordination? I don't remember anything now. Twenty years. Is long. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Uh, I think it was just that for me the the biggest impact was. Becoming a public person in, in a in a different way than he'd been in seminary. So for the prior five years, because I went in pre theology, um, I don't know. You were constantly being fed into the by the church, and there was I mean you would get involved with things, but it but it wasn't like this official capacity where now people were looking to you for answers sometimes <laughs> blessings. As, um, so I think that was kind of the most impactful thing that I remember was this. Um, 
really a, that change of uh, position within the church and, and expectations of what my responsibilities were within the church. Yeah, has it been for, for both of you um, easy to stay in the present moment or does your mind keep on jumping forward then to, uh, to your priestly ordination? Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I was, it was constantly jumping forward to the priesthood. Because yeah. <laughs> really, you're, that's the path you're on. You know, mm-hmm. so the transitional diaconate is that stuff. A but, transition. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how they had that name. Nice. In there, yeah. right? <laughs> so that was my my experience, maybe too much. <laughs> I was always looking to the, mm-hmm. to the priesthood. I'd say the same. You know, it's a, definitely a temptation to just keep looking forward. Like, okay. So my first mass, for example, working on planning things at St. Patrick's, my home parish, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like I feel like this is very familiar to me because I've been thinking about the last nine years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's already been planted in my mind, sort of. Um, but you know, it's really beautiful to actually come to that moment. But at the same time, yeah, you have to remind yourself kind of to stay in the present and just focus on growing spiritually now. You know, here and now, because that's important for the future priesthood is your faith life now. You know, and your prayer life now. So mm-hmm. not getting too caught up in the in the future that you know it's a temptation and and draws you away from really thinking about your spiritual life and your present state. Mm-hmm. Do you have the opportunity to spend much time with the other four that will be, uh, God willing, ordained? Uh, do you, do you yeah, spend time do. just so the, the five of you? Yeah, as yeah. classmates, you know, uh, we're in a lot of the same classes together. Uh, so one of my classmates, Deacon Jason Fox, is actually in Boston at St. John the 23rd Seminary there. Um, so we don't see him as often. Um, we did get to know each other a little bit better over pastoral year because we'd meet together every week, you know, as a class, which was really uh, helpful, actually. You know, just kind of forming that bond between the class, especially because he's in a different seminary in a different state. Um, but the four of us who are in Columbus here, and we have a fifth classmate from Jefferson City who studies with us, you know, we have all the same classes together pretty much. So we're, it's just us for classes usually, you know, just the deacon class. Um, and then we spend a lot of time together outside of class, just hanging out or mm-hmm. uh, you know, studying together and things like that, which we were just doing uh, for the last four weeks. We had comprehensive exams, which is where they uh, question you for 30 minutes, it's oral exams on moral theology, uh, doctrine on liturgy and sacraments and on um, Lester's escaping my mind but we well, you passed. <laughs> took all these you we passed, passed. Yeah. Right? so now you see, I forget everything now that I pass <laughs> but you know we studied together for these exams which was really helpful yeah and uh, like father said you know it's to prepare us for these questions people are going to ask and especially in the last exam liturgy and sacraments the two priests who were giving the exam you know took it from a very pastoral perspective you know okay mm. So after Mass, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, Father, what about this? You know, and ask this question. How would you respond? What would you say? And it's important because, yeah, you have to know, spur of the moment, how to respond to these things, uh, or at least where to look for the answer, right, if you don't know. So, yeah. Hmm. Father Hahn, as Deacon Carter approaches Ordination Day, what what's the morning of ordination like? What was it like for you? Uh, very exciting. So... The night before, I had stayed at the St. Therese Retreat Center and kind of did like a retreat night um, to get away from all the chaos that was going on. The family and you know everybody's coming in town for the for the event, and uh, so I felt like I was it was a good um, beginning to the morning because I was coming out of a place of retreat and uh, just meeting with the guys. I can remember us. We were ordained at St. Andrews, um, which is also where, by coincidence, <laughs> Deacon Tyler's <laughs> class will be. Uh, ordained also at St. Andrews this year. Um, I can remember this meeting in the rectory, the the six of us that were being ordained together. And um, I don't know, it was, we were just kind of recounting the years of seminary and kind of talking about what it's going to be like now as, as priest. And 
there was just a lot of excitement that morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know your assignment going into that day? Or when we, did you learn of your first assignment? If I remember right, we learned. Yeah, this is 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. We learned at the at the Chrism Mass, which is, you know, Tuesday of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, if I remember correctly, that's when we when we found out. Uh, so, which that was an exciting day as well, right? To find out what your first assignment's going to be. Uh, mine was St. Joan of Arc with Father Ramos Box. I was very, very happy. That's where I had served as a deacon for my summer, the previous summer. Um, so I had known the community somewhat and I uh, knew Father Jeff very well. So, yeah, that was a, also, that's a big, big day in a guy's life, too, to find out the first with their assignment. Mm-hmm. In recent years, the bishop has met with them on the day before, had like a lunch, and then would reveal then. So um, it's a little bit closer to the time. I'm not sure what he's going to do this year. <laughs> is, is there a letter that's handed across the table or how? <laughs> You know, yeah. like open the envelope. You all, you know, the five of you open it all together. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I'm trying to remember how they did it last year, but that's that's often how they've done it in the past. Is they hand the letters to the guys, and then your hands then are you're... shaking. And, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, then I'm scanning their faces to see what their real first reaction is. Deacon Tyler Carter and Father Bill Hahn here in the cafe. We're talking about vocations, their journeys through. Through seminary to the transitional diaconate onto priestly ordination, um, there's a boom happening uh, yeah. now at the uh, for the Columbus Diocese. Yeah, praise God! It's um, we've had a, quite an influx really the last couple of years, but especially this past fall with 16 new men entering, which is um, it's got it has to be decades since we've had that kind of a entering class. Um, so we're very excited. Uh, we're now we now have 37 seminarians that are in formation. Uh, we always say by you know to give people kind of perspective. When Bishop uh, Fernandez arrived two years ago, we had 18 total seminarians, and just in one year we had 16 in her you know, new. Wow. So mm-hmm. it's almost the whole number of what we had total at the first. So there's been the Lord's really uh, blessing us. There's a lot of interest this year. There's eight men that are in application, and there's several other men that are um, going to be making that decision in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, the Lord is abundantly blessing us right now. Father Han, any ideas of why maybe that increase? I think one of the, one of the primary things I think is um, actually through real presence, real future, like. I think the, Di- the Church of Columbus began praying more fervently about vocations yeah. because we were beginning to see the real effects that take place when you don't have the numbers of priests that you need. Sure. I think that's one one aspect is that uh, there's more flooding of heaven now uh, for for that. I also think um, there's been a kind of a growing, I would say, a culture within Columbus probably over the last couple of decades even of just a stronger faith life um, from all aspects. You know, you think of our men's and women's conferences, like how, you know, how big they are and the kind of early on, you think of the Damascus and the things that are happening there with the youth and how that's kind of spread throughout the diocese. There's um, St. Paul's Outreach, Focus, Missionary, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many missionary activity, so much missionary activity that's happening now. And I think that's creating a great um, seedbed of places where the vocations are are coming out of that. It's um, the fruit, I think, of, of years of people's praying mm-hmm. and being on mission as laity to, to bring the faith as well. Um, 
So yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that are that are going into it. Yeah. Sure. As as someone is discerning, what are maybe some of the signs of a call that yeah. they can maybe keep in mind or keep their eyes out for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, primarily it's um, so a person who's deepening their relationship with the Lord, and then one thing there has to be a growing desire, like seeing the beauty of 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 the vocation and. Um, you know, we just talked about this. I was at the Ohio State University's Melchizedek Project um, on Sunday. Tell us what the Melchizedek Project is, because uh, Deacon Carter mentioned it okay, earlier. Yeah. Also, so Melchizedek Project and it refers to Melchizedek, the priest in the Old Testament, um, and now you know the priesthood of Jesus Christ is an eternal priesthood like that of Melchizedek, who has no beginning or end in Scripture. So that's why the name is that. But basically, it's a monthly meeting of young men who are discerning possible call or they want to learn how to discern um and we're, we're going through that book as deacon tyler mentioned of father brett brannon mm-hmm. on uh, to save a thousand souls which is you know just an excellent book on any man who's discerning should read that book and it's just it's full of great tips and um so anyhow doing that as a group is what the Melchizedek project is so we have i think eight now in the diocese that are going on in various parishes and, and at the university um and so I'm trying to think why I brought up the Melchizedek Project now. <laughs> you're, you're, you were spending time at Ohio State with the folks. Yeah, okay, yeah. We were talking Hearing about the, the difference. Call. Yeah, yeah. The difference between admiring a vocation versus um, being invited to, mm. to discern that vocation. You know, and so ad- admiring, we talked about how that's you're able to recognize the good things of, of each vocation, which we should be get get to the point we can do that with all all the vocations, admire those. But then you begin to start finding yourself, imagining yourself in that vocation. And you're like, yeah, I think that would be, um, I think that might be something that I'm interested in. One of the guys talked about, you know, going to weddings of his friends and how there's like some days he's like imagining himself as the groom. Some days he's imagining himself as the priest celebrating the mass, you know, celebrating the wedding. And so like this, this part where he's trying to discern like, which is the, where am I being pulled Mm -hmm. towards? So I think recognizing, yeah, what are those, what are those pools? Um, yeah, no, Deacon Tyler, you're, you're most fresh within the, <laughs> the discernment. What were, yeah, things that helped. So definitely the group and just, yeah, having other kind of like-minded men who are considering the same thing, considering the same path. You can kind of share notes in some way, you know, and kind of, yeah, this is what I'm feeling, or this is what I'm feeling in the prayer, you know, what is this, what do you think this means? Or does this, you know, do you experience this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and having, you know, the vocation director or one of the priests there to talk about these things with you too is very helpful. Like, you know, to kind of affirm things or, you know, well, maybe it doesn't mean quite what you think it does, you know. So just having somebody to help you kind of look at things uh, with a fresh set of eyes. Uh, but also then, just, yeah, trying to grow in that life of prayer, trying to spend more time in adoration as you can. You know, trying to pray the rosary daily and ask our mother to help to help you, you know, guide her to the altar of your son or wherever wherever he's calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's some of the biggest things of just working on that prayer and then also not being afraid to kind of share with others, you know, where you, what you're feeling and kind of ask for some affirmation or some assistance, you know, discerning. Yeah. Father Han and Deacon Tyler, um, in terms of uh, maybe hearing the call, is there also a sense of, okay, now I've heard the call and maybe I'm not at a stage where I can enter just yet. How do I guard the call? That's a good question. So you're saying like in a sense where somebody really feels like they're called to the 
the seminary life, but that they're in a situation where... Yeah, maybe they're still a missionary or maybe they're still in high school and at a stage in life where they can't directly enter just yet. But there's still a sense of, okay, I I need to guard my vocation. Yeah. So that's a good question. I think first is that relationship with the Lord is always the most important because if we're keeping that foremost, then he's going to give us the grace and the strength and we're if we're keeping him our eyes on him um we can trust that he's going to be the guardrail in a sense you know but the secondly i think is staying in contact with other priests and seminarians uh, or at least discerners we always tell young men when they come that the two most important things is work on your prayer life and we encourage them to get a spiritual director and we have a list of priests in our diocese who are willing to help young men who are discerning so that they can really sharpen their ability to hear the lord in their life And then secondly, put yourself in places where there are either seminarians, priests, or other discerners. Mm -hmm. That's like that group kind of thing because you need to be supported in this because it is such uh, a unique, it feels like a very unique calling when you're, you feel like you're the only person in the world (laughs) who's hearing this. And so to be with others who are trying to figure that out as well is very helpful. Mm Deacon Ty Carter, Father Bill Hahn, we're talking about vocations. Deacon, have you been able or have you had the opportunity to step into the mentor role at all with, with, yeah, uh, with the younger guys? Yeah. So in the diocese, you know, we have the um, Quivatus in the summer, which is another discernment program, you know, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, young men come for a few days and come away to the seminary and we have times of prayer and times of activity, um, you know, times to have talks with some, sometimes we have uh, panels of priests, you know, who answer questions, things like that. But it kind of gives a, a good time for young men to at least, you know, kind of go to try or, or see what seminary is like a little bit, you know, in some aspects. Um, and so in that, you know, uh, like this last year, you know, we usually have a time where they can sign up and kind of talk to one of the priests or in this case, one of the deacons, you know. And so there's a few men that I got to talk to and just, you know, kind of answer some of those questions about, you know, things that they're feeling as they're discerning or things that, you know, they're they're wondering about in seminary life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had that a lot, you know, as a, one of the older seminarians, you know, there's. Uh, a lot of the younger seminarians will come and ask questions and uh, things about, you know, again, just things that they're experiencing or going through or, um, you know, advice, advice going forward, mm-hmm. you know, which has been it's been interesting, yeah, kind of growing from that role of being the one who's, you know, newly entered and asking and has all these questions to, oh, I've been through this. I can answer that question, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, it's necessary, yeah, as you grow and mature. I was going to say go ahead and Google Melchizedek Project, but... That's kind of where you rely on autofill, right? <laughs> so, can I, either of you guys spell M- Melchizedek for us here this morning? I have to go to vocationscolumbus.org. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> We're speaking with Father Bill Hahn and Deacon Tyler Carter. Uh, Father, when um, at those early stages of application uh, to to seminary i'm sure you have an opportunity to meet with the parents as well um what kind of questions are they coming to you with yes that's a good question there's um a number of uh areas that they're interested in one um the first off is about the healthiness of seminaries you know because they they hear things and they're always worried about entrusting their child because it's they know it's more than entrusting your child to a university because it's all encompassing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, their their whole life's gonna be fully in that seminary. So, um, which I always enjoy talking about them because as Father Brett Brandon, our our beloved author and a former spiritual director at the Josephinum has said, like, 
there's probably not been a better time in in the in American history for like the formation in seminaries today is is top. And it is like when I compare it to my own and, and discussions with guys who were ordained before me, like there's just it's a great time to be in seminary. Um, not only because it's just an incredible formation of the whole man and of the Catholic faith, but also there's few places right now in our educational system where a man goes and gets actually formed as a man versus so often they're deformed in the university setting. You know, there's just so much. Um, that's yes. Against. Yeah. So it's it's a it's just a great great time to enter seminary. So usually the you know that's so that's one area they want to know more about what that what that looks like. Uh, then the next question after that is, how do we pay for the you know because a private education like that and when it's very specific as you know Deacon mentioned, what five five guys in your class you know mm-hmm. so you're and you're paying for professors with doctorates and degrees from Rome and stuff so you're um, it's very expensive. You know, it, we average it out to about $55,000 per year um, per seminary. And when you include their tuition room and board and, and um, other formation stuff that happens in the summers. So uh, that's the next question. And, then, you know, by God's grace right now, our diocese is able to, has been able to to provide that. It's it's almost in some ways a, a matter of justice because these families are, are giving up their sons for the church. Uh they're already being asked to do that. And at the end of those seven to nine years, they don't get their son back and he doesn't get a job that pays equivalent to what he's just invested, you know? So the church is the one who's going to benefit from this man at the end of his time. And so in our diocese, we've been blessed to be able to, to provide that full education for our, um, for our seminarians. Um, this year with 16 is where we're hitting into a little more challenging because we didn't expect that many. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working on on that, and uh, there's a second collection coming up this weekend at all the parishes to to help support that. So it's, um, it's yeah. We were speaking with uh, Bishop Fernandez uh, earlier, and the initiative is uh, a good and growing need, and, and I love the way that that's titled, <laughs> um, and, and just the pressures that having this uh, influx, this uh, boom in vocations has created. Yeah. As one of the seminarians, Absalon Hall, said, he said, um, you know, we got everybody praying so well for vocations now. He's like, we forgot to ask anybody to pray for the financial. It was a sign to that. <laughs> no, that's, that's a really good point, because how often do we pray for an increase in vocations? And then the Lord blesses us, and yet we need to remember the next step of responding generously to to the blessings that he's given us and and supporting our seminarians yeah that's mm-hmm. a great way to put it like the lord the lord blesses and then ask for generosity i mean mm-hmm. you know, he'll never be outdone in generosity so we can just keep faithfully uh yeah giving like that mm-hmm. yeah so i think um so that that sets you know that's a great relief to parents when they're able to hear um that it's not going to be the burden on their family for uh, looking at 200 plus thousand just for the college portion, you know, and then another 200,000 plus for the theology. Um, so I'd say that's probably the second in their, in their questioning. And then third is kind of like, how often did I get to see my, my son, you know, <laughs> I guess he's going to be, uh, you know, up in the seminary for, and so there's, uh, depending on the seminary, they're still going to get home at least a couple of times a semester. Wouldn't right. you say? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can usually find good times. Sometimes there's free weekends that the seminary provides, so you can go home and 
doing those kind of relaxing with your family, hanging out, um, you know, or hanging out with other seminarians, again, kind of building that fraternity. I know some of the college guys in the, one of the last breaks went to uh, one of the beaches. I don't remember exactly where. <laughs> but they just did like an overnight flight, you know, found a cheap flight, went and hung out, and they came back. And, okay, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you still have time to spend with your family, which is great. Um, and an important thing, too, because, you know, your family's where the vocation was first developed and nurtured, right? So it's good to go back there, too, and have that support. Yeah. Also want to honor some of the uh, organizations around town that are, are supporting vocations, uh, notably the Sarah Club. Uh, Columbus is blessed with two very strong chapters, I guess you would call, of, uh, of the Sarah Club. The Knights of Columbus, always uh, strong, strong support yeah. uh, financially and, and both through prayer uh, for, for our seminarians. Yeah. Did I miss anybody? I mean, those are the, well, and all the lay faithful. Yeah, I mean, everyone the in the pews, the, the ladies that are praying the rosary every morning for vocations. So. Yeah. I mean, because we have like a vocations task force that has like Knights of Columbus, some of the Sarah Club members, Wilderness Outreach, yes. Catholic Men's Ministry, mm-hmm. and um, are kind of helping in different ways with that. Uh, but yeah, we are so blessed in this diocese with, with that support. In fact, I think in Ohio, like we get the most of any um, diocese from the Knights of Columbus every year to help support our seminarians. Like you said, both Sarah clubs are very active and, and supportive. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a big team effort that's happening. That's doing this, you know, that, and the other thing is the seminaries, like I said, are very healthy, right? We have like a really great formation. And um, so the guys, and then the guys themselves have a great uh, community. So whenever we had to come and see, and the guys come to visit, like they really realize like this is a group I want to, I want to be with and then it's almost like they're disappointed if they're not called into the seminary because they're like <laughs> i finally met a group of guys that really resonate with and you know that are just normal and but seeking holiness and are supportive of each other encouraging to each other it's just um yeah a very positive environment in that way the website for uh, good and growing need is columbuscatholicgiving.org that's columbuscatholicgiving.org or you can just google a good and growing need Columbus after you Google Melchizedek. (laughs) So, um, Deacon as, so what, what is your ordination date this year? May 18th for priests. Okay. At St. Andrew's parish. Correct. And then we also have a new class of transitional deacons being prepared. Yeah. So they'll, um, they'll be ordained March 10th. Sorry. 9th. Yeah. March 9th. 9th. Okay. (laughs) Where's that so, going to be? That'll be at the uh, the Basilica in Lancaster at St. Mary. No there. kidding! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so we're very excited about that. It'll be uh, have a big diocesan event at the Basilica like this. Very um, good. Yeah, we're gonna we got a couple buses bringing the seminarians down for it, and then um, and it's also during the uh, come and visit weekend at the yeah, Justinum, so yeah. they're bringing a bus for you know the those who are discerning to come and see an mm-hmm. ordination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so young men, you get two things if you sign up for the come and see now. <laughs> and a bus ride. thrown in, and, and a, a bus ride. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. So that'll be, those three will be ordained. Um, and this is, we usually we have done that in May, but the, um, the bishop moved it to, to earlier in Lent. And um, that gives them two, two years to do the Holy Week, which is kind of a neat thing. You know, it's another way that uh, seminarians get back to their parishes. A lot of times, they're they're there for the Holy Week, either uh, serving and all of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or as deacons, now serving as deacons. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. You'll sing the Exaltet for the first time. That's right. You'll be singing the Exaltet. <laughs> yeah. Scary thought. Pray for me. But practice has begun. <laughs> uh, I, I'm guessing oh, yes. when you were 12, you, you, were, you were starting to practice, right? Uh, maybe. A bit. <laughs> Could you give us a sample now? I'm not... <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear that. It's, it's early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's, the, uh, what's the gospel passage for your, uh, what, when you preach your first Mass? As a priest, um, what, what, I'm sure. That's a good question. I think there's two options because Pentecost oh, will be the first Mass. And I'm not preaching, thanks be to God. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a tradition for uh, priests at their first Mass to have a priest friend of theirs you know, okay. preach their first Mass. So I'm ask, I've asked Father Jan Sullivan, who's the rector of the cathedral. Mm -hmm. So he is uh, preparing that homily, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I haven't really looked as much. I, I, I remember ordinations fall around Trinity Sunday sometimes is yeah, it, is that, yeah. It's always, so, yeah, it's like late Easter yeah, season. Yeah, Pre preach on the Trinity, you know. And, and <laughs> Just something simple to start with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God bless you guys. Thank you both for, um, yeah, for being here and, and for answering the call. Deacon, what, what's your encouragement to, to the young men uh, this morning? Yeah, I would say just keep looking forward. You know, one of the things that I remember Father Brandon saying, too, which was very helpful at the seminary, is, you I have know, to meet this guy. He's, he's amazing. He's great. <laughs> but he's not paying us, I promise. Um, but Father Brandon said, you know, in the spiritual life, if you're not moving forward, you're sliding back. Mm -hmm. It's not that, you know, there's a, well, I'm pretty good. I can stay right here. No, you're always moving forward or back. And so it's just that keep moving forward, keep growing in your prayer life, and keep growing in your life with the Lord. You know, that's one of the temptations I think we have is to talk about a prayer life versus our secular life. But we can't. You know, our life mm -hmm. has to be one of prayer and one of faith. And so it's to keep in our life, growing towards the Lord, you know, increasing our time of prayer with him, increasing our time of uh, meditation each day and reading the scriptures, you know, listening for his word, listening for his voice. Uh, that's something I preached on the other day at the seminary, actually, is, you know, um, like when Christ gives the Our Father, you know, he talks about, you know, the pagans babble, you know, they use all these words, or the Gentiles, rather, the babble, mm -hmm. and use all these words, you know. But when we pray, it's not so much that we're trying to get God's attention, but we're trying to focus ours, mm -hmm. because he's always attentive to us, you know. You know, a fundamental shift for me and just in how my prayer life has grown is changing that uh, mindset of, of um, making time for prayer versus building my day around prayer. And, and just kind of approaching my mornings that way has been, has, has been really important for me. So it's not I'm making room for it. It's no, I'm making room for my life around my prayer. Does that make sense? Right, yeah, yeah. priority. You know, it's those non-negotiables of the day, like prayer, that you, <clears throat> excuse me, put first in your planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Father Han, your your final words of encouragement. I mean, I would echo what Deacon Tyler just said, the, the, that a relationship with the Lord is, is the key, right? It's a divine vocation. I mean, all our vocations are callings from the Lord, so it's, it's that time spent with the Lord that is just so essential. Um, and the more we fall in love with him, the more courageous we're going to become for him, no matter what he asks. You know, we'll be ready when he asks or when he moves us. The second thing with that would be make sure we are moving forward in our, our discernment that um, are we taking the next step? Like, are we asking the Lord? It's not, you're not discerning whether you're called to be a priest. You're discerning whether the next step is mm. a discernment group or is the next step seminary or is the next step. Like, what is, what do I need to do to get to that um, that level where I'm comfortable either saying I'm not called or 
I need to go to the next step. Like you mean there's no booming voice that just tells you? <laughs> I'm afraid to say that's not the norm. <laughs> that's to say active discernment is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and the Lord's, it's not wasted time either. Like sometimes when you're discerning a vocation, it can feel like, you know, this is just time spent more. When's he finally mm-hmm. going to tell me? Mm-hmm. But he's always at work on things that we don't see during that time period. It's never a wasted time. Yeah. Sure. Father Han, any advice for parents or grandparents who have a, a son or a grandchild who is discerning and just how they can support them? Yeah, so I think the the main thing is letting them know that um, that you value that as mm. a as a vocation, that it's not something that's going to to upset you. Because as Deacon Tyler alluded to, there are a lot of um, seminarians whose parents were not so excited, you know, that and especially if they don't they haven't been around other seminarians and priests. They don't, it's kind of foreign to them. The idea that how can my son be happy by following this pathway? So it's letting, letting your son, you know, listen for the voice of the Lord and, and not trying to control that is, is sometimes can be difficult, right? Sure. <laughs> so, so encouragement in that. And then like Deacon Tyler said, like grandparents can play an incredible role, like mm-hmm. both your grandmothers, even right. non-Catholic, right? Like mm-hmm. um, just that support of saying, yeah, grandson, like this is, I could, I could see that, I could mm-hmm. support that. Yeah. One more organization that I'm, I don't think we mentioned by name is uh, Friends of the Josephinum. Yeah. Um, very, very important role, uh, yeah. with vocations and supporting the Josephinum. So, sorry, folks at Friends of the Josephinum, yeah. <laughs> want to make sure, yeah. make sure that we honor yeah. you as well. Coming up this Saturday is the Columbus Catholic Men's Conference. That's uh, Saturday, February 24th. Registrations online at stgabrielradio.com. The website for good and growing need is columbuscatholicgiving.org. So um, please, friends, uh, pray uh, today for all of our, our seminarians, our priests, our bishop, and also for all of those men that are discerning uh, the priesthood. Who should I ask to do the blessing? <laughs> they both point at each other. <laughs> Deacon? This will be freshest. <laughs> Thank sure. you. Yeah. Let us pray. Lord our God, we ask your, pray, your blessings upon our needs. We ask you to bless us as we pray for these vocations, and we ask you to bless and strengthen all the men who are considering a vocation, that they may do your will, which is love and mercy itself. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Carter. You're welcome. Father Han, always a pleasure. Always how, do you, how do you do? Excellent. Nailed it? Nailed it. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so grateful uh, for both of you. That was a lot of fun this morning. So God bless Great. you. You remain in our prayers. Friends, thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to go to stgabrielradio.com. Register for the men's conference this Saturday. Coming up tomorrow, Celeste Schmelzer and Deacon Doug Iglesias here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.